Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Versa Bank's third quarter 2020 financial results conference call. This morning, Versa Bank issued a news release reporting its financial results for the third quarter that ended July 31st, 2020. That news release, along with the bank's financial statements and supplemental financial information, are available on the bank's website in the Investors Relations section as well as on Cedar. Please note that in addition to the telephone dial-in, VersaBank is webcasting its earnings conference call live over the Internet. The webcast is listen-only. If you are listening to the webcast but wish to ask a question in the Q&A session following Mr. Taylor's presentation, please dial into the conference line, the details of which are included in this morning's news release and on the bank's website. For those participating in today's call by telephone, the accompanying slide presentation is available on the bank's website. Also, today's call will be archived for replay both by telephone and via the Internet beginning approximately one hour following completion of the call. Details on how to access the replays are also available in this morning's news release. I would like to remind you, our listeners, that the statement about future events made on this call are forward-looking in nature and are based on certain assumptions and analysis made by VersaBank management. Actual results could differ materially from our expectations due to various material risks and uncertainties associated with VersaBank's business. Please refer to VersaBank's forward-looking statement advisory, which is on slide three. I would, I would now like to turn the call over to David Taylor, President and Chief Executive Officer of VersaBank. Please go ahead, Mr. Taylor. Good morning, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. With me via teleconference as we continue to work remotely is Sean Clark, Chief Financial Officer, Ali Lalani, Chief Risk Officer, and Brent Hodge, General Counsel and Corporate Secretary. Let me begin with an update on our operations amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. As we have since the beginning of the pandemic, we continue to work to ensure safety and wellness of our employees, but substantially all of the bank staff working remotely with virtually no impacts on operational efficiency, supported by our recently implemented two-factor authentication virtual private network, providing the highest levels of security. I noted in our last call that we are also continuing to strengthen and enhance our already robust risk management processes with specific focus on the prudent mitigation of potentially elevated credit and liquidity exposures. Especially in the early months of the pandemic, we took an even more cautious stance than is typical for our risk-averse bank. As I will discuss in more detail in a moment, one of our additional risk mitigation measures was to temporarily increase our cash balances 
which, as I noted last quarter, is dampening profitability in the back half of the year. All in all, I'm extremely pleased with the way the bank has navigated the initial months of the pandemic. It underscores the necessity of prudent, low-risk model and proves out our value of building a bank for stability and resilience in all economic environments. And as just as importantly, it sets up the bank very well to not only rapidly return to strong growth, but capitalize on new emerging growth opportunities. Moving on to our third quarter results, as I noted a moment ago, with the considerable uncertainty around the near-term economic and business environment in the initial months of the pandemic, we made the conscious decision during the second quarter to increase our cash balances to ensure we were well insulated from potential major economic consequence of the pandemic. We ended Q3 with cash balances of 354 million, up slightly from 340 million at the end of Q2. Our cash balance for much of the quarter, however, was even higher, peaking at more than 400 million, including liquid securities, and averaging 370 million throughout the quarter. That is more than three times our typical levels. Of course, higher cash balances mean that we are not maximizing our return on those funds in the short term. But in an unprecedented environment with high degree of uncertainty, we were simply not going to put the bank and more importantly, the shareholders at risk. It's how our shareholders can always expect us to act. Even with these elevated cash balances, our financial performance for the third quarter continued to underscore our success in leveraging our proprietary technology to offer innovative, high-value solutions that address unmet needs in the banking sector and benefit of doing so through a business-to-business partner model. They continue to differentiate our bank with our efficient, scalable, low-risk model as a standout in the Canadian banking and financial institution landscape. Net interest margin for Q3 was 253 basis points compared to 312 in Q3 last year and 308 in Q2 of this year and was skewed significantly downward by the elevated cash balances, which earned very little interest. I will note, however, that even at this atypically low level for our bank, we still lead the publicly traded Canadian banks. And just to provide some perspective, our net interest margin, if we were to have maintained cash at historical levels, would have been around 300 basis points, right in line with our recent pre-pandemic quarters. Net interest margin for the nine-month year-to-date period is still 291, down just slightly from 300 for the nine-month period last year. Net income was very healthy, 4.4 million, or 18 cents per share, although down 12% year-over-year from 5 million, or 21 cents per share in Q3 last year. Core cash earnings, or CCE, was 6 million, or 29 cents per share, down the same 12% from 8.6 million or 32 cents per share 
from the same period last year. As a reminder, as we do not pay cash taxes and therefore view core cash earnings defined as pre-tax earnings, excluding non-core operating income and expenses as a better measure of the bank's profitability, as this is the metric that defines our regulatory capital. And I will note that this quarter, as for the last several, we have not had any non-core operating expenses. Because we are not paying cash taxes, we are building regulatory capital about 27% faster than those banks that are paying cash taxes. It's worth noting here that even with the dampening Q3 profit profitability, both net income and core cash earnings for the nine-month year-to-date period are essentially even with last year. A couple of additional highlights that I would like to note around our results. First, our cost of funds declined 39 basis points year over year and 16 points sequentially to 1.59%, one of the lowest on record. This is directly attributable to our strategy to grow our proportion of very low cost insolvency professional deposits. I'll discuss this in more detail in a moment. Second, with respect to our provision for credit losses, or PCLs, we actually recognized a recovery of PCLs during Q3. I'll discuss this in a moment. One of the most notable highlights of our Q3 results is the bank's continuing industry-low credit provisions. Recall that last quarter, as expected, our peer group reported enormous increases in credit loss provisions, especially the big banks, as we only modestly increased ours out of an abundance of caution. When the final tallies were in for Q2, the average of the big bank PCLs ballooned more than fourfold to 1.42% of average loans from 0.35% at the end of 2019. Our PCLs were just 0.12%, less than one-tenth that of the big banks. This once again underscores our ability to earn superior net interest margins with mitigated risk. Banks reporting thus far in Q3 are also again showing elevated PCLs. In stark contrast, as I noted earlier, we reported a modest recovery of PCLs. I will take this opportunity to remind you that we continue to have a history of no loan losses across our lending portfolio. I want to specifically note here that we have not taken any loss provisions on our point of sale financing loan portfolio and at this time, we do not expect to. We structure these loans such that we hold back a portion of the payment for these loans in cash that essentially provides insurance should the consumer default on the, these loans. The level of the, those holdbacks continues to be around four times what we view to be the intrinsic risk associated with the portfolio. In addition, our construction lending portfolio, which is mainly composed of loans to build multifamily residential buildings. The majority of these projects are nearing completion, which significantly limits risk. As I mentioned earlier, one of the most pronounced highlights for Q3 
was our continued reduction in our cost of funds, which has reached 1.59%, one of the lowest on record. The decline was driven almost entirely by our success in growing our very low interest paying insolvency professional deposits, currently paying 0% interest, which increased more than 15% year over year. I will note that the increase in, in insolvency professional deposits itself is almost entirely due to generating more business from our existing clients. And I will note that we achieved this during a period when personal bankruptcies were actually down year over year as a result of the government's financial support to Canadians during the pandemic. We expect to see our cost of funds further decline over the quarters to come as the proportion of deposits from insolvency for professionals increases due to higher bankruptcies as our government winds down support. In addition, we recently added four new deposit insolvency partners to our client roster of more than 100 partners. Further expanding our access to these low-cost deposits. We also expanded our access to low-cost CGIC-insured GICs. Deposits adding industry giant Fundex investment as a client. Fundex is one of Canada's largest mutual fund dealerships with more than 700 financial advisors across the country and more than 17 billion in assets under administration. Very low cost deposits are a crucial component of our business model, enabling us to earn superior net interest margins while mitigating risk on the lending side of our business. We have abundant access to low-cost deposits, certainly well past the point that it's not any constraint to our growth. Turning to the lending side of our business, although total assets increased by 9% year-over-year and 2% sequentially, our total loan portfolio actually contracted just under 4% year-over-year and about 3% sequentially to about $1.5 billion. The decline in both respects was predominantly the result of our decision to temporarily increase cash balances earlier this year. Recall that, as I have discussed for a number of quarters, we have been letting our commercial real estate portfolio run off as we took a cautious stance around the outlook of that sector. We now, however, have started redeploying funds here. We are now seeing renewed activity in this sector for residential construction as demand in communities outside the GTA has increased due to what appears to be migration of the city as resulting from the pandemic. The larger impact, however, was the contraction of our point of sale portfolio. This was the result of two factors the largest of which was the sale of three portfolios, two in Q3 and one in Q2. You, you will see us do this from time to time in the normal course of our business. The decrease was also a result of the precipitous decline in loan originations in our point of sale business across Canada and stayed in lockdown for a long portion of the second quarter. Loans were maturing faster than they were being originated, resulting in a contraction of our point-of-sale portfolio by 7% to 
to 910 million, down from 980 million at the end of Q2 and 6% year over year. To provide some context, at the height of the lockdown, point of sale origination fell about a third of its pre-pandemic dollars. We view both these factors as having transitory impact on our results. We are already seeing the origination of new loans in our point of sale business increasing as Canadian consumers return to spending. It is difficult to pinpoint just how quickly the point of sale loan activity will ramp. However, it is possible that we could end the year with a point of sale portfolio in the range where we started the year. In addition, as I discussed in our last call, we are pivoting back to opportunities in the public project financing space, as we expect the various levels of government to increase infrastructure investment spending going forward. We are actively preparing for this opportunity, but do expect that it will take some time before we see a material impact in our portfolio. As we look ahead, Versa Bank is emerging from this period of macro volatility and uncertainty in very good condition, with what we expect will be a nominal short-term dampening of our profitability and all our future opportunities fully intact, and then some. It is a testament to the strength of our business model and prudent risk mitigation across our operations. On the deposit side, as I noted earlier, we expect our cost of funding to continue to decline even further from the near record Q3 levels, enabling us to continue to support industry-leading net interest margins under our low-risk model. On the lending side of our business, as I mentioned, the return to growth we are seeing in the point-of-sale loan and lease receivable business, which has been the primary driver of the strong, steady expansion of our lending portfolio over the past eight years, from a standing start to just shy of a billion dollars. And we are seeing renewed activity in our commercial lending portfolio, specifically around construction financing. With by far the highest leverage ratio among Canadian Schedule One banks, we have a lending capacity of more than two billion to put to work, with the objective to end fiscal 2020 with an overall loan portfolio equal to or potentially larger than at the end of 2019. We are now leveraging the success of our point of sale offering to launch a new offering based on the same software for the residential financing market. Essentially, it is the same point of sale software customized for home builders and brokers to use in their sales offices for new homes and condos. It is a revolutionary in its functionality in that it provides an on-the-spot approval for home buyers. For us, it will enable VersaBank to enter a third distinct lending vertical, targeting a $200 billion market, further leveraging our fixed cost structure. We are calling this new offering Instant Mortgage for obvious reasons. Whoops. Just one sec here, ladies and gentlemen. My uh, 
computer has popped up. While our offering will be applicable across the mortgage market, we are specifically targeting the underserved market of financially sound newcomers to Canada for whom, despite their wealth, obtaining mortgages can be difficult due to lack of credit history. We view this as yet another opportunity to apply our proven technology to address this sizable market need. We had initiated beta testing on instant mortgage back in February with a leading Canadian home and condo builder, the Cartel Group, as well as one of Canada's leading pre-construction home and condo brokers, Intuition, the following month. That testing was obviously put in a holding pattern due to the pandemic lockdown. We have now resumed beta testing and are very optimistic about the potential for this new offering which could begin contribu contributing earnings as early as first quarter in 2021. We entered 2020 with significant momentum in our business. Although COVID-19 pandemic and the bank's additional caution in this environment will dampen growth in the second half of the year, we remain very well positioned to capitalize on opportunities presented by the new economic climate and expect to return to our trajectory of earnings growth. We have no shortage of opportunities to do so in pursuit of superior net interest margins while mitigating risk. And just to underscore my earlier point on the operating leverage, in our model, you can see our efficiency trend in to, since 2014, which measures our cost to earn a dollar of revenue. As we have steadily grown our lending portfolio, we have steadily and meaningfully driven down our cost to earn a dollar of revenue. And I will again note that the plateau, the year to date, 2020, is the result of the high cash balances this year. That said, as we continue to expand our lending portfolio, this key metric will continue to trend even further downward. Finally, before I open the call to questions, a few words on our wholly owned subsidiary DRT Cyber, through which we are leveraging our leading and proprietary technology in cybersecurity for the banking industry, as well as broader corporate applications. DRT Cyber was born out of our own need to ensure that VersaBank, especially as a digital bank, has the highest levels of security. Leveraging our DNA as a technology company that operates in the banking sector, DRT Cyber was launched with minimal capital investment and low operating costs. Accordingly, especially the bank's current valuations, we continue to view the significant opportunity around DRT Cyber as a free option for our shareholders over and above the value of our core banking business. We remain active in pursuing these opportunities and continue to believe that long-term DRT Cyber will be a meaningful contributor to our financial performance. And with that, we'd like to open the call to questions. Operator?
Operator, you can open the call to questions. Yes, thank you, Mr. Taylor. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you are using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register for questions, and we thank you for your patience. Once again, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad if you have a question. First question is from Ian Gillespie. Your line is now open. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, uh, David. Congratulations uh, to you and your team for managing through this uh, period prudently. I'd much rather see uh, lower EPS due to too much cash than uh, a big increase uh, in provision. So I think you've done extraordinarily well through, uh, through the period which I think uh, certainly gives me a tremendous confidence in, uh, in looking ahead and uh, uh, seeing that you can realize uh, the vision you've set for the bank. Uh, a couple of questions, if I might. Um, one, I was just curious, does OSFI in any way differentiate your prudent low-risk model uh, of a SCED1 bank from the more traditional banking model? Uh, and if so, does that give you any better opportunity with re re with regard to discretion on buybacks and uh, dividend increases? Well, Ian, uh, thank you uh, for noting uh, uh, our prudent approach to dealing with this pandemic. Uh, yeah, we in Inverse uh, Bank uh, would much rather sit on uh, a lot of cash and, and wait to... Uh, see what the economy has in store for us rather than um, uh, have less and uh, and uh, perhaps uh, regret it. Uh, I think you probably know that our CFO is uh, is a pilot and I'm a pilot and we we both like like to have two engines and uh, lots of altitude and <laughs> don't feel too comfortable unless unless we do uh, sort of um, a pilot thing. Um, now with respect to OSFI, I, I certainly hope so I, I hope they, they recognize that uh, we have quite a surplus in, in regulatory capital and are generating uh, more and more uh, regulatory capital with the um, lack of uh, cash taxes. Uh, I, I know why they, uh, they placed a moratorium on share buybacks and, and increased the dividends and that uh, uh, most, most of our industry uh, would be under a fair amount of stress. And of course, in, in some countries, as you know, Ian, uh, banks uh, actually reduced their, their dividends. Um, thankfully, that didn't happen here in Canada. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that OSFI recognizes that. I, I haven't had anything definitive back from OSFI, but uh, I certainly uh, initiated the conversation. And um, I, you know, I very much would like to see our dividend uh, increasing uh, and uh, the shares were to stay at this extraordinary sort of low price, uh, we'd love to be buying them back. Uh, so 
I I hope our friends in Austria are going going to be able to relent sooner or later. Uh, David, just with with regard to no cash taxes, how long does that picture last? Uh, It'll probably last into the... Well, we accumulate some tax losses in the uh, with a merger uh, earlier on, uh, so um, we're burning up the tax losses. They at the present rate, we should get into about the second quarter of, of 2021, um, uh, unless we uh, were able to uh, acquire uh, another FI with similar in a similar business, of course that. Um, that has uh, has tax losses. Also, we are looking for those. Um, they're complementary to uh, to our our, ba- our present bank business. Uh, so up until 2021 is what we have left to to go. And can you talk a little bit about what the landscape looks uh, like for potential acquisitions? Is uh, valuations coming down given uh, what's been going on? Uh, is your um, uh, kind of universe of possibilities uh, growing. Uh, how does that sort of shape up? And uh, do you think you might be able to conclude an accretive acquisition potentially by the end of uh, of this year? Well, uh, the, the potential acquisitions has increased significantly with uh, with the COVID nineteen pandemic, as you'd expect. Um, Valuations are much lower. Uh, in fact, we we hired a full-time person, an analyst, to uh, review all the opportunities that we uh, we uh, recognized. And uh, I'm in uh, a regular uh, contact with uh, Sean's department and the, and the analyst reviewing um, the opportunities. Uh, I would say there's a high probability that there's at least one acquisition concluded. Uh, uh, fairly soon. Um, there are some others out there that might take a little longer, uh, but there's one that's on our radar screen that we're um, we're uh, quite excited about. Uh, but of course, you know, no, nothing ready to announce yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, and with regard, just a couple of other quick questions with regard to. Um, uh, public sector project financing and being able to deploy some money there. Uh, what does uh, uh, what does that look like in terms of being able to significantly uh, increase the the loans in uh, uh, in that area by the end of the well, year? Is, is that something we can easily put out 50 million to 100 million fairly uh, fairly quickly in the next six months or? In six months, we might be able to do, say, 50-odd, I would say. Uh, it's it's going quite slowly. I think yeah. the pandemic has distracted uh, various levels of government. Uh, I think in 2021, uh, it's, that would be a wonderful way to stimulate the Canadian economy and get people back to work. Uh, and, and we used to, it used to be a big part of our business, providing uh, project financing for governments, particularly in the uh, northern regions of Canada. I still see a tremendous opportunity for that, but frankly, um, it's slow going with the, the conversations yeah. we're having with the government. So we are reinitiating our our, uh, our contacts from the, from the past. I, I think in 2021, uh, it'll be a big business. Um, I hope so. I'd, I'd like to see Canada 
um, get people back to work uh, in these uh, value-add projects. Um, uh, so I, you know, I'm optimistic in 2021, but in the short run, a fair amount of distraction with the with COVID-19 issues that's uh, slowing it down. And with regard to the yield on point-of-sale loans, how do they compare uh, with newly initiated loans versus what you might have been earning um, on a point-of-sale uh, loan, let's say, in January? Uh, have those uh, Are they about the same? Or have they gone about up? The same. About the it's same. about the yeah. same because what we do is um, uh, by uh, uh, taking the cash holdback, we mitigate the risk down to a uniform level, which we think is around a double A level. Uh, mm -hmm. So the net the net return to the bank is uh, around 3%. Um, mm -hmm. If it's an extremely risky portfolio, we'll take a lot of cash holdback and mitigate it again down to the double A level, what we believe is double A and still get the same net yield to the bank, even though the end consumer uh, may be paying something order of 12%. Uh, it, it, from our perspective, we always take uh, enough cash to bring the net risk to the bank to a level that we think uh, uh, a bank should have, i.e. something in the order of double A. Yeah. Okay, well, that's great. And last question, uh, just net interest, uh, non-interest expense uh, dropped uh, 450000 or something like that. Uh, is that kind of due to one-time issues or is that a, uh, a kind of a something that's going to reoccur? It's a bit of a trend brought on uh, from uh, Less expenses being incurred due to the pandemic. Uh, we're we're all uh, working remotely. Uh, there isn't travel. Uh, right. We're we're, uh, uh, we're not doing a lot of entertaining, of course. Uh, our board meetings are all remote, uh, done remotely, and that saved travel and uh, and uh, other expenses. So uh, it's it's uh, sort of a it's a positive impact of the pandemic. And I've noticed that the larger banks have seem to have the same. Uh, the same uh, benefit, uh, if you can call it a benefit in such a terrible time. Uh, that, but uh, so it's it's just a, a, a variety of categories uh, of expenses that reduced. I, I I would say in 2021 um, it will be back to our normal expense levels and perhaps even a little higher, depending on how uh, rapidly we're able to grow the uh, loan portfolio. Okay, great. Well, uh, congratulations again and continued uh, good success. Those are all my questions. Well, thank you very much, Ian. It was good talking to you. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad if you have a question. There are no further questions registered at this time. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Taylor. Well, thank you everybody for uh, joining us. Uh, I certainly appreciate it and um, look forward to uh, talking to you at, at the end of, uh, of the next quarter. Again, thank you and it's, uh, the transcript of this will be available on our, our website. Uh, and uh, should you have, have any questions that you'd like to um, send by email, Please don't hesitate. Uh, thanks again. Operator. Operator.
Thank you, Mr. Taylor. The conference call is now ended. You may now please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you all for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.